Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, or Patamaro, and Hats on Lamps. It's episode 93. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. So this week, we're going to talk about the draft changes that happened this past week. Had a couple... Uh, a nerf, a couple buffs, as well as a pack order change again, and a little bit of draft pack changes. And then we'll do a, a, a quick, I think, summary um, of the format for those prepping for the draft championship qualifier event thing that is coming up in a week and a half. So, uh, Hats, are you ready? Yes. More or less. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I've seen I've seen you've been drafting again. A little bit, yeah. But it's not relevant because uh the changes just went into effect recently uh and uh the packs are so random and chaotic, there's not much that I can learn from yes. the current environment. It is insane out there. It is. I I mean, yeah, the draft the Bot packs, as they're affectionately called, were uh, back in force this time. And, um, yeah, it's been really crazy. But I I do think that, based on the changes, I don't know how much of the overall texture of the format is really going to change. So I think, uh, you know, our three or four months of accumulated experience uh, should really be enough to get us through the, these next two weeks i think so um but th- when you're talking about like a major draft tournament then the fine details are actually going to make a pretty big difference yeah uh, and we're not going to have a lot of time to really get used to those fine differences uh just because they they made these changes so close to the actual tournament i i think it was a good idea to change things up before the tournament uh, but I wish they they'd given us two or three weeks, which seems like the right amount of time to me. So you get through this bot this bot pack madness, uh, and then give us a couple of weeks to get used to the format again, so that we've got about the right amount of knowledge going into the tournament. Right now, it feels like it's going to be more random than usual when the tournament actually starts. Like there will still be the residuals from the bot packs <laughs> in the packs that we're taking into high level competition, which isn't ideal. Uh, but I guess it kind of is exciting because it gives everyone a chance. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was, it is interesting. Um, you know, I was in um, doc 28's uh, Twitch chat today and uh, she had, been planning on um uh, on practicing drafting with twitch chat but uh when everyone said that the bot packs were still influencing things today she decided not to and sort of a bunch of people were (laughs) sort of debating when we could like officially say uh you know these are no longer bot packs and you know cassandrith kind of thought we should give it you know three, four, five a week before you could really feel confident that that things weren't, you know, bot pack influenced. Yeah, that's about right. Um, that is about correct. So if they make big changes, 
a week and a half before a big tournament, and that's the wrong amount of time to give them. Yes, that's I agree. Correct. And and I don't. I the other thing that I was thinking along these lines is it's also like further exacerbated because we have these bot packs, and then we also theoretically have a rush of people trying to learn the draft format. And so don't have like the aforementioned four months of accumulated knowledge. And so they're good. They, you know, I, I don't know actually how many people are like this, but there are presumably people who are drafting this format. Like it was the first few weeks of the format yeah. where people just also make crazy decisions. Yeah. So it makes it even harder to read signals. Yeah. So yeah, it is going to be real chaos. Um, uh, so I don't know. Uh, I, th- I like we'll talk in this episode about what's uh, the strong archetypes and the trends in the changes that they made that uh, that change the overall balance of factions and things like that. Uh, but to some degree, because of all of this chaos, we're going to have to just rely on uh, fundamentals. You know, uh, when going into. Um, going into the big tournament if we're participating. I haven't actually completely made my mind up if I'm going to or not, um, but I probably will. And uh, I can't really I, I can't really count on the format the way that I can when things have settled down. So it might be a time to just sort of take big chances. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, But I think probably the smart thing would be to approach it almost as if it's a new format, except that you know what the quality of the cards are um, and not uh, count too much on any particular strategy or set of strategies because you, it's probably not going to pan out because the other people that are influencing the packs you get are not going to be following the same rules. Yes. Yeah, I agree um, to that. Yes, I, I agree with that to an extent. You know, the one thing that I think we've commented on a lot, you know, for this format is that, and I think this will continue to be true, the set 10 cards are stronger than the draft pack cards in general. And so, the, you know, changing the draft pack cards, I think, influence moves the needle only so much you know so like you you really are still taking your signals from set 10 especially now that set 10 is is first again so these archetypes that have been doing well will probably continue to be you know very strong like i don't think rakano is going anywhere um yeah no no i i I think it's i think this format is going to be a lot more like the initial format than than the one that we were just going through in general. Um, yeah. I think the power level of the draft pack cards is a little higher on average now with these changes uh, too. So I think you can kind of count on getting at least a certain amount of backup for whatever strategy you start off in, on, in pack one. And also uh, because you you never know how much fixing you're going to get in packs two and three. You can't really do a multi-faction strategy like uh, like I was doing during the um, during ten point two. It's it's gonna you, you, like it, it's still going to be fairly easy to splash because they they have weighted 
cards like Bannerman and especially Seek Power pretty heavily. Um, but uh, but I don't think like base three faction or four faction decks are really going to work anymore. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with that. You know, you like you said, you can no longer just rely. You know, when when the pack order was different, you could just like we said, take all the fixing you can in pack one, and you since you can no longer do that. Yeah, and you don't like in pack one. Sometimes the fixing just didn't exist, and so then you didn't do that. Um, so not knowing whether you're going to get fixing means that you don't, you just, you just have so much less information about it. It just narrows the number of things that you can do, which is okay. There's a lot of powerful strategies still. Um, yeah, but you just can't get crazy. I had a lot, I didn't know that they were going to switch the packs again so that set 10 was first and fourth. Uh, so I had all kinds of fantasies about like winning the draft open with a five faction deck. Uh, that's not going to happen now. <laughs> no, no. I don't know. Maybe you'll get some residual uh, bot draft and just be able to do whatever you want. Yeah, maybe. I had my 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 deck that I played today was a Praxis deck uh, with let's see a Dahin Blitz, uh, Lava Blood Goliath, uh, Jang Lee the Misfit. Um, and two of the uh, time Moonstone Vanguard, two Moonstone Vanguards. Oh, <laughs> that's the kind of that's the kind of craziness we're dealing with. Yeah, that's the kind. And what's crazy is like that's the kind of craziness we're dealing the next day after the draft pack changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's that's that's like exaggeratedly crazy. Um, a week from now, it'll just be a little crazy. <laughs> just a bit. Yeah, we're still gonna be seeing, still gonna, still gonna be seeing like martial efficiencies tenth. I know it's crazy. I know some people love it. I and I say this every time it happens. It's just such a frustrating time for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like it either. I was on the good side of variance today, but you often not, yeah. not. I know. Well, that's the thing. Is like I. I just drafted a I drafted a deck this morning and I was like, oh wow, this is like a really sweet deck. But then and I definitely got some like really late uncommons and stuff. But then when I was like, I don't know if this is a really good bot draft deck. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if I should just I shouldn't play these games because it's like a it's a way above average deck, but it's not you know, it's not like 10 rares or anything. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's okay. League. Um, anyway, so we'll move on to uh, thanking our patrons over at patreon.com slash farming eternal, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to our show notes and recording bloopers. Um, and then for more money, you can possibly get food. Uh, you can check out the Patreon page to learn more about that as hats learned last week. I learn something all the time. Yeah. And so, once again, thank you to our veteran patrons, Steve Irwin, Disc Golf Dan, Cotillion, Low-Key Trickster, Sigma Tank, Mercurio Blue, Avid Nago, Meagles, Madness, Parmalee, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Jed the Hamrid, Raven Dragon, Esrit0215, Possibly Psychologist, Sunblaze, Work Done Sun, and Yistow. Um, thank you for supporting us. Yeah, week after week, month after yeah, month. Thanks. We really appreciate it. 
We do. All right. So uh, I guess how was your draft week? I haven't. Uh, again, I haven't been drafting a whole lot. Um, I was curious after the changes went through to to see just uh, how the changes felt. Um, but then when I waded into the actual draft queues, I realized how nuts everything was. And so I probably will not play a lot of Eternal this coming week either. But when I play, I do fine. Um, it It's funny how how playing a lot doesn't really seem to influence how I do. You know, you it's not the sort of thing where I've already reached a certain level of knowledge about the game. <laughs> and then yeah. playing more than that doesn't make me any better. <laughs> like I don't learn anything now. So I can play a little bit and do well, or I can play a lot and do well. But what happens more often is if I play a lot, I do very poorly <laughs> because I, I get a little, I get a little fried in the noggin and I don't, and I'm not, I stop making good decisions. So it's actually usually a lot better if I play sporadically and only when I'm really focused. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely can re- relate with that sentiment of, uh, yeah, not really understanding how playing more influences my my results you know what i mean it's it's like more frustrating for me because i don't do as well as you so i'm like it (laughs) feels like maybe i need to like play more to (laughs) to be closer to you but then when i play more it you know it's i guess i mean part of it is just a card game thing where it's you can't you need more than a few runs to like notice incremental change you need like a much bigger sample size and yeah. so and even when i'm playing a lot it's still not a large enough sample size uh to... and it is a card game with a, a huge amount of variance so uh, it's even hard to tell what your sample size needs to be before it's meaningful sometimes yes yeah I, uh, yeah so i agree with that so yeah, for me, uh, the main thing is the update. We drafted that Elysian deck last week, yep. and I managed to go 3-3 three, three with it, so not great. Um, one of the losses was 100% on me. I just did the stupid thing where turn two, I played the wrong power and then couldn't play my two drop. Sure, yeah. And then, and then just fell behind, and and my opponent curved out, and I could have curved out. And probably stabilize because the deck actually played way more powerfully than we were like giving it credit for in the episode. I think mm-hmm. it like I don't know if I just drew the synergies, um, you know, <laughs> I if I just drew well or whatever. But like I was like, wow, this deck is really doing stuff the whole time, even though I, you know, I. I I lost one close game where I just, you know, lost the game. And then I, I misplayed my other loss. And then my third loss. Um, oh, what did my opponent? I don't know. My opponent played a really good card into a Decro. And then I just, I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't beat a Decro. Um uh, side note, I I think it's I think it's almost certainly pronounced Dicro. 
because it's a reference to a kind of uh, glass treatment uh, where mm. a gla glass appears to be multicolored, I think. And you can see Dicro's wings are kind of multicolored in the artwork. Okay. I think it's actually a direct reference to, to, to something. I don't have it right here in front of me, but I did look it up a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah, dichromatic, uh, dichroic glass. So uh, it's a, let's see, one, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, a modern composite non-translucent glass that is produced by stacking layers of glass and micro layers of metals or oxide, which give the glass shifting colors depending on the angle of view. So yeah, I think Dicro's Dicro is that. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know and what yeah. the official lore on him is though, so uh, it could be that I'm just making a guess. I mean, I mean, I'll I'll buy it. It certainly sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, my opponent played a Dicro, and uh, and yeah, yeah. And all and all I had were wind channelers and. Uh, uh -huh. Really sad. Yeah, Dicro is conveniently out of range of wind channeler. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so that happened, and then uh, it went it went downhill from there. But you know that's that happens. <laughs> it does. It does. I, I I think the deck was probably fine. You yeah. Know, we we knew that it wasn't exceptional, but it's the sort of deck where with good variants it could have gotten a few more wins. You know. Um, but not necessarily. So good. Because... Yeah, I even got to do the the thing where I played um, a customs officer into an automaton and got to do fun stuff like that. But yeah, that's excellent. All right. Um, so on to our seven win run breakdown. Uh, this is our long-standing data collection project here at Farming Eternal, where our listeners send in their seven-win drafts to farmingeternal at gmail.com or post them to the seven-win channel on the Farming Eternal Discord in either exported deck list or any kind of Wordcry link. And then we talk about it here on the show because we do a little bit of analysis. We throw it in a spreadsheet so everyone can see all the seven-win decks as well as what factions and stuff are doing well. So... Um, and we also like to give a shout out to everyone who sent in a deck this week. So for those who sent in deck lists, uh, thank you. So Abinego, Alabazoo, uh, Apolloon, uh, Apolloon, Beer Broken, Cotillion, Psychologist, Darth Herman 2, D-Dubs, Disc Golf Dan, FS Forward Sound, Whole Robot, Gato Sujo, Gunner 116, Hats on Lamps, Honky, uh, Ip Longno, Judd the Hummerid, John Avon, John Holio, Meadow, Out on a Limb, Potomaro, Steve Irwin, Tempest Dragon King, Vader, and who does that? Potomaro gets seven wins? I did what get... A stud. I know. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you get that when you get seven wins? Yeah, actually I do. <laughs> oh, wow. So... You know how I have uh, I have the the dragon avatar thing that you get for for buying the physical um, eternal game, mm -hmm. uh, and whenever whenever you win, this, this is going to take a, maybe a little bit too much explanation. Whenever you win while you have the dragon avatar, uh, he he murmurs with a dragon throaty roar. 
suffer for your arrogance. And uh, so Lady Hats has picked up on that. Um, and uh, uh, she has a variety of stuffed animals uh, uh, who have their own personalities and stuff. Uh, and and sometimes I will hear from across the house one of the uh, one of these stuffed animals, a small puppy named Boris, go suffer for your arrogance, <laughs> and then I will shout back suffer for your arrogance, <laughs> and we'll sh- and we'll shout back and forth to each other suffer suffer for your arrogance <laughs> for a little while in celebration of my victory. So it's a good time. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's great because I. Yeah, mostly on the losing end of that statement. <laughs> so I, t- I tend to find it downright infuriating. But I'm sure. I'm, Fair enough. Maybe if I say it in my head in that voice, <laughs> it'll improve the experience. I'll tell you, it really improves the experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th- it, this is uh, my, my one not really totally related story but well, the, the one time I got into like the I don't know as in the top 20 as in top 20 of the draft ranks and I was like pretty proud of it because I'd never done so well before and then I was like telling people and they're like oh wow how many people draft or like how many people are in masters and you're like well, I guess when I say like 150, it sounds like a lot less impressive to be like 15th or whatever. But I'm but then I didn't really know how to quantify like how many people play draft of which I was the in the top 15 of those. So it ended up not really seeming that impressive because I was just like, well, I, you know, it really depends on how you want to quantify <laughs> the denominator <laughs> but uh yeah yeah no it's true uh i if uh, i i always like to think that um i just sort of enjoy playing a game that has fewer players so that i can get those impressive looking numbers because <laughs> i think if i were as good at say i don't know uh uh, Legends of Runeterra draft as I am at Eternal draft my ranking would not be impressive because there would just be so many more people <laughs> yeah well I mean that's the thing with uh, yeah with Magic Arena like if you get top 1200 in a month then you get qualified for you know to make it to the pro you know you get qualified for a qualifier to make it to a pro tour so like getting top 1200 is like a sought after accomplishment that's very hard to do yeah yeah that's fun and uh <sighs> yep yeah it's on a whole whole different scale yeah I'll tell you, I play Hearthstone a little bit these days because uh, they sort of did an overhaul recently, so I uh, got back into it. And it is nice being able to get into a game within, you know, 10 seconds regularly. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. Although still no one plays no one plays Arena uh, in, in Hearthstone. Like the that their version of Draft, uh, I still kind of enjoy it, but there's so few people that play compared to the main game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I will say that, like, 
Yeah, Magic Arena, the draft queue is not always instantaneous. You still get 30 seconds to a minute sometimes, which was kind of surprising to me. But I wonder if part of that is just that they have a much stricter matchmaking. Could be. I thought that draft and Magic was really popular. Yeah. Um, but... uh I've been too intimidated to get back into it because even though I used to draft magic a lot, um, I, I would have to learn the whole new set and the mechanics and I would have I would make all of these mistakes and I just don't want to do that all over again for a new game. Yeah. No, I, I can totally understand that. I, I will say I, I think you'd do just fine. <laughs> I probably I'd probably do okay. I especially because people on the Discord have been talking about it and I could get a primer from folks. Yeah. All right. Um, well, those were some great seven-win draft. Uh, <laughs> some good analysis of our seven-win draft spreadsheet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> spreadsheet uh, for yeah, your elegance. <laughs> uh, excitingly cut this from the uh, podcast. Great. Just snip, snip. Oh, actually, I don't even... Yeah. That might just be the list of names from last week, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, well, so as for, you know, the factions and stuff that are doing well, you know, these are things we've hit, it, hit on the show sort of week after week. Um, and I think the, the main trends still hold true. But for those of you who have not been listening to the show, uh, if there is anyone like that listening this week... Um, you know, the main thing that we've seen throughout this whole format is that particularly Fire and Justice are probably the two strongest colors. Um, and Shadow usually has been in there in third place in the lists that we receive with uh, Time and Primal sort of vying for for last place. Um, and in... And less sort of less relevantly um primal was doing a little bit better in this previous format but with the draft pack changes and stuff you know that's sort of irrelevant how how it was doing slightly better in that but in sort of all iterations of this format it has sort of been true that fire and justice have been the two strongest colors with shadow sort of lagging behind and then time and primal uh sort of uh further behind that which is going to be interesting because um, Primal, it seems like, took a little bit of a hit with these changes, while Time got a little bit of a boost. Um, so I'm not sure where that's going to put Primal in the end. And then I feel like Fire, Justice, and Shadow kind of made out okay. So I think uh, being somewhere in the Ambition Colors in FJS is probably a good place to be, and that has been backed up by... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deck lists. We probably have, uh, you know, uh, let's see, over 700 deck lists so far for this Ooh, format. That's great. Yeah. What a successful data collection project. Yeah. And uh, as always, thank you to John Holio for entering all 714 decks into the spreadsheet. <laughs> All right, so then uh, shall we move on to our main topic here? Yes, indeed. Cool. So um, I'd like to thank uh, Cotillion, who uh, was going to be on the show but couldn't make it. 
But, um, and this is like a pro podcasting tip, I invite a guest <laughs> who writes pages of notes for you on the changes <laughs> and then uh, and then doesn't show up. Yeah, great. <laughs> so I was, so anyway, more seriously, so thank you to Cotillion. He, uh, he did a great summarization and uh, is a great friend to the podcast, and we really appreciate him. Yeah, so uh, we're going to be using a lot of what he said here. Yeah. Um, but also so regretting that, regretting that he's not is, here to explain it. Yeah, or truly from us. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess the big thing to talk about is the patch, and how we're going to kind of go over it is... I think we'll first discuss the the buffs and nerfs to the set the, 10 cards. The actual changes to the cards themselves, yeah. This is interesting because they did, in fact, target drafts specifically for these changes, which they don't do very often. Yes, they did. Uh, yeah, which is, is pretty interesting. Um, I, I kind of have like a, a bit of a conspiracy theory with their one nerf that one of the issues they had um, with figuring out how to nerf cards is that a lot of the most problematic cards are also constructed playable cards. And are so, they? you okay. know, it makes it really hard to hit a card like Vinegrafter or Auto Tread or Martial Efficiency when those are in their sort of respective expedition decks. Yes, I suppose it does. Uh, too bad, because uh, it would have been nice to nerf specifically auto-tread and martial efficiency. Yes, I, I agree. Um, but uh, they didn't. They nerfed instead um, Send to Market, uh, which now went to... It was a five-cost spell, so it was uh, used to be five Justice Justice, and it would send a card to... To the opponent's market. Send a unit, yes. Uh, and, now, and now it costs six, and I think it is a significant uh, uh, nerf to the card. Um, I it, it really, like, sent to, the, sent to market, you didn't want to hit a, um, to have to hit uh, a 5-5 five, five for three. Basher. A basher, but sometimes you would. And this gives the basher a whole extra turn and maybe more to hit you while you're trying to get the power together uh, to send it to market. Um, and and it's the same for, like, there's a big difference between something costing six and something costing five. There's not a, that huge a difference between something costing one and two necessarily because you're probably going to reach two power. But you, there are draft games where you don't reach six. There's a few gap draft games where you don't reach five, but uh, it's it's tough to get up to that sixth power sometime. And so now it's a um, it's still a good card uh, that 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 will get rid of specific problems, but it's so much slower. Um, so now I don't think of it as the strong pull into justice that I, I did the five cost version. Yeah, I agree. I think what's interesting uh, to me about this nerf is yeah i i think this format can be pretty fast like there can just be some very strong aggressive decks usually having a lot of the aforementioned basher in them and sometimes five cost felt 
slightly too slow. Oh yeah, and, especially if you were on the on the draw in those games. Yes, and so six is a big nerf, and I think the you know the the closest analogy now is uh, cut ties the uh, the six shadow instant speed kill kill a unit, and that card has sort of fluctuated in in usefulness in the different formats that it's been in where sometimes six cost kill anything is good and then sometimes it's too slow and i think the same will be true for send to market in the future but i think currently this format might be a little tough on it yeah it's not really a format that is one through like one big threat usually except for of course basher uh it's often you're just sort of taking over the board and attacking with multiple flyers, that kind of thing. So send to send to market it was a was a good uh, solution to the the small hand, like the the one or two big threats that your opponent presented. But um, uh, it, it it it's not as effective as it would have been, say, uh, in last format where bombs were and and. Uh, um, uh, in view cards were sort of the norm. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, uh, you know, at six cost, it makes the, the three to four send to market deck, you know, not really maybe that's not, that's not even really playable. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. And also a lot of the, a lot of your top end tends to be six drops. There's not a lot of strong, uh, board plays on five. And so sent to market fit pretty well into what you were doing because you would you would add to the board play units um, from from uh, power levels one through four and then sent to market would clear the way to attack and then uh, and then you would play your six drop bombs um, that were your finishers and now the sent to market is competing with your bombs and your finishers and it's just going to be more awkward still playable card good in the way that cut ties is good but it's uh, yeah it's a it's it's definitely significant yeah exactly all right then uh the next card which uh dire wolf has labeled as a side buff is a shambling sapsucker so this used to be a two cost two two mandrake in time uh, that says when you transform one or more cards, your mandrakes get plus one attack and decay. And it's now been changed to a one cost one three. Yeah, I think it's an improvement. Uh, it of course it costs less, and it has about this, and it has the same number of stats. It still adds up to four. Um, and I think it uh, if you do manage to activate it. Having a two-three with decay is probably better than a three-two in most situations because then it can kind of attack in, and it's a little. It can't just trade with uh, your average two-drop. So, um, I think that this is a is pretty good for for the shambling sap sucker. I think it makes it more relevant in draft because it was never a good first pick before. You know, um, I don't know if it's a great first pick now, but at least it's an uncommon that you notice rather than just one that's like, eh, I'm never going to activate that thing. Yeah, I, I I agree that it is a slight buff in playability, probably. Um, but I don't think it's 
the issue with this card really was its stats necessarily. I just think even though there is a lot of plundering, there's still just not that much transforming in the format. There's not a ton, but there is plunder. Every plunder is a is a transform. Yeah. No, so. I, I agree. I guess I just I'm I'm still not excited enough to like build around this card. I guess the the idea is you just like put it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe the problem was I'm just not like a believer in the Mandrake deck in general, and adding further limitations to your Mandrake deck. It's still I think, not a buyer. I think it's I think that this is now a solid one drop like a one three for one is already good yeah um, and having it have a an almost incidental ability that is activated with every single plunder card in the format is is good like so it's all it's a good one drop now yeah whereas yeah. before it was kind of a lame two drop <laughs> yeah no I guess that's true and even the fact that it yeah is a one three like there's so many of the two drops or two twos in this format yeah it blocks those it blocks them yeah. fine they have to play an additional thing to get past your one drop that's fine all right yeah you're you're talking me into this i'm i'm getting stuck on trying to make this a great card instead of a card that you're happy to have in your deck yeah it's fine all right now on to just straight up buffs there's a few uh, interesting ones in here, and then a few that I don't even know if it moves the needle. Uh, I think we're starting with the latter here in Arms Race, which is the uh, two fire spell. Your units get plus one attack. That's the units on your board. And then each unit in your market gets pl plus three attack, and it used to be plus two. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they bothered. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> it's <laughs> totally irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. All right. The next one is a stakeout, which is a cursed relic. Uh, it used to cost two time, and it says when five of the cursed players' units die, sacrifice stakeout to play three two one soldiers, and then it has amplify three, give one of your units killer, and now it costs one. Yeah. So this one I the... think is I, this one I think is significant. Um, I, I played a stakeout in my in in one of my recent decks, and it felt so much better to play it, where I could play it and give one of my units killer on four, than it did when it cost five to do that. Uh, so much better, and also uh, it, it's more realistic um, by like an exponential degree to activate it to to play it when you have seven power and give two things killer than when you needed eight. Yes. Yeah, I I agree. I think this helps a lot. And paying four for a killer effect is, like you said, much more reasonable than paying, uh, paying five. And since this relic does more or less nothing unless you amplify it at least once... Um, yeah, it's it's hard to get the five kills, but it's a lot more reasonable to get those kills if you can play this card earlier. Because a lot of times what would happen with stakeout is you'd sort of play a whole bunch of things on the board, you'd trade back and forth a couple of times, and then you sort of pass the point where you're going to make a lot of trades by the time you actually can play the stakeout. So you don't get the soldiers ever. Um, it's much more realistic if you play this on four 
get a kill right away uh, to expect to be able to get four more kills um, over the course of the game and actually make the three soldiers relevant. So, yeah, I think this is a pretty significant one. I'm actually kind of looking forward to playing this card now. Yeah. Plus, it curves into... Um, it curves into I've forgotten the names of the cards because I haven't been playing that much. Um, but the uh, the core tap maximizer now it curves turn one stakeout into core tap maximizer if you want to do that and get that plus two um, buff. Oh, yeah, doesn't give you killer, but if you're playing core tap maximizer in the same deck as stakeout already because it's nice to give killer to deadly things. Yeah, um, then that's a Which... legitimate interaction. Which then curves into giving your second stakeout killer. It's true. It does. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a whole deck. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. And then you get to kill anything and then go back down to uh, three power. Uh-huh. Immediately. Look at, look, it's like playing solitaire. It's great. Um, all right. Uh, the next uh, buff is bring into focus, which is the two justice uh Fast spell, it says draw a justice sigil from your deck. And it is, it used to be amplify three, now it is amplify two to draw an additional justice sigil from your deck. Yeah. And I already think this is a playable card. It replaces itself with a justice sigil at worst. And um, I would pretty much play it in any deck that, um, that didn't have a, enough two drops. But also, if you have a lot of Amplify Synergies, and the Amplify Synergies can be very powerful with the Mabeloft Elites and the Shock Troops and so forth, then um, having incidental Amplify cards in your deck instead of the power card that they're replacing is great. Um, and and yeah, uh, on if you are at 8 power, then this thing amplifies 3 times instead of twice, which is great <laughs> yeah um, no, i think I it's think... easier i think this is a pretty significant but it's also a card that doesn't affect the board by itself so it's never going to be a great card but i think as a filler card uh this makes it significantly better yeah yeah only having to pay four to get the single amplify i think is pretty yeah. pretty awesome yeah it does draw two cards then you know they're both power cards but it's still you're still drawing them yes and yeah, it and is it's a just fast like, spell, so that when if you do have Mabeloft elites or shock troops or things that benefit from Amplify, uh, you can do it mid-combat, so it becomes a combat trick. Yes, exactly. And, you know, like you said, I mean, this is kind of a niche thing, but, you know, a lot of the power is at six. And so if you play, you know, if you Amplify, pay this for four, you get your two sigils to guarantee that you get to six on six, you know, I don't know. There's like a lot of things that really improve with this card just by the Amplify being cheaper. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, next is Daring Swordmaster, which is the four Justice Justice 3 2. At the end of each turn, play a weapon on one of your units with uh, attack and health equal to the number of times you amplified this turn. Fate draw card if you have a soldier. And this used to be a four Justice Justice 1-1. One, one. Right. Yeah, I think this doesn't really affect the card that much, uh, the quality of it. It's, it's obviously better, but it's still, 
feels too small for the cost and it takes a lot of work to get any significant benefit out of it. I think it's still a fine market card and it's much more significant as a market card now um, because as a market card, you can control when you, you can make sure that you have a soldier on board when you go fetch it. So you definitely get the card draw. Um, but the, I, I have always found when this thing is in play that it's too finicky trying to put weapons on the right unit and everything uh, for it to really feel like a strong card. It looks like it should be strong, but unless you are really got a lot of flyers, it's tough to get uh, a lot of benefit over just putting sort of like 1-1 one, one and 2-2 two, two weapons on things. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the one thing is it's not embarrassing to put in your deck now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. At least, no, no, not yeah. quite. But it's it still doesn't feel like it's what you want. <laughs> no. But the other nice thing is, I mean, like they did buff a couple of these amplify cards and stake out and bring into focus. Um, so that's true. Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, so I think it's interesting. I agree with you. I'm still not excited. Like I still would rather. I feel like in most cases have shock troop and Mabel off delete in my deck. Yeah. You get the effect right away with them instead of waiting until the end of the turn. So uh, they're much better for tempo. Yeah. And also those cards are, you know, it's just better to have bigger things early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mabel off delete is, is an efficient card. It's already a two, two for two and then it just gets better. Yeah. All right, then next is Emerald Overcharger, which is the, um, used to be a two Justice Relic. Now it's a one Justice Relic that says, summon, give a unit plus two, plus two this turn. Pay one and sacrifice Emerald Overcharger to give a unit plus two, plus two this turn. Uh, I don't think a lot of people were playing this card. Um, so... I don't know if reducing the cost on it is going to help that much, uh, but if I do have a deck that wants to play Emerald Overcharger, I'm going to appreciate not having to pay as much for it, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I do think some people were playing it, and I think it worked fine, especially like an Argentport Flyers deck or or whatever, especially if you have a, you had a Watchwing support. Is that what it was called? No. Yeah, Watchwing support. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you had a card like Watchwing support, this goes great with the drones. Um, it does. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think this is... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a playable card. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think I once described it on Discord as uh, being like uh, Siege Provisions, but much more aggressive. Yes. Yeah, I, I I like that. And, uh, you know, now being able to get, you know, 4-4 four, four worth of stats for 2, like that's a, I mean, it's a slow speed combat trick, but that's significant. Yeah, and I like being able to break it up too. If you don't have a flyer um, and you're just <clears throat> trying to make your ground troops, just give your ground troops better attacks, uh, it gets to do that for 2 turns. <laughs> All right, then next is From the Heavens, which is the eight uh, justice, justice, uncommon spell that says kill all units, amplify one, play a 2-2 Valkyrie with flying. Yeah, um, and it is a big difference between eight and nine for the same reason that um, 
the difference between five and six is big. But it's still, I wouldn't expect to see this card in a lot of main decks. Um, I do think it's a great market card because your opponent will rarely play around it. Um, and it's a terrific, uh, uh, it's the best power sink in the game if you really seriously flood, but you also have market access. Um, and it's just something to be aware of. There are games where the this is the only card that can prevent you from winning because you're so far ahead on the board. Um, and and it, just knowing that it exists is a good thing so you don't overextend. <laughs> and knowing that it's at 8 now instead of 9 is a useful piece of information. Uh, in those games where the only card that could turn it around for your opponent is from the heavens... Uh, don't overextend if they're approaching eight power and they have a mysterious card in hand that they haven't been playing. Um, but uh, I, otherwise, you know, it still serves the same function that it did, which is uh, being the only board sweep in the format. Yes. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. I've only played this in my decks uh, a couple times, and it's definitely won a game, but you really felt the nine cost. Like, Oh, yeah. So many times you were sitting there at eight power with a from the heavens in hand being like, just draw, just draw a ninth power. I need, I have two turns to draw a ninth power. And, uh, yeah, I think for the function that it serves, uh, it, having it cost one less is terrific because that's, that's, it's so much easier to get to eight than to nine. All right. Then, uh, next is another uncommon. This is the four primal primal, um, root, or root Ripper, which is a four primal primal two three. It was a two two, and it says when Root Ripper attacks, your Mandrakes get plus one attack and overwhelm. Summon, transform another unit into a three three Mandrake. Yeah, already one of Primal's best cards in this format, and now it's a little bit better. <laughs> Great. Yeah, good. Yeah, this is an interesting buff uh, because, like you said, it was already a really great card. I wonder if they buffed this because they thought people were underplaying it because they weirdly, as we'll get to kind of nerfed primal in the draft packs. So it's, it's interesting that they're buffing them in set 10. It is a little weird. Yeah. Uh, but this is the only one. Uh, yes, it's just it is. This one. Uh, I um, think they sort of, I mean, they gave two mandrakes a slight, a slight buff. That's what they did. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this one is also one that transforms, so it does go with shambling sapsucker. So maybe they're trying to push this Elysian mandrake deck a little bit. Yeah, Who knows? I guess. Um, all right, next, uh, kind of in the same uh, vein as Arms Race, uh, explosive potential which is the uh, now two-cost, was three-cost um, shadow spell that says give a unit in your hand attack equal to its cost, amplify one, give an additional unit in your hand attack equal to its cost. I think, unlike Arms Race, I think this, this change actually makes a lot more sense. Like, it does actually significantly improve the card, because the problem with Explosive Potential was that you would have to wait and play it like just sort of wait around with units in your hand that you could play explosive potential on uh and then play the units and that's a lot of doing nothing 
uh, here at least you can actually like on turn three you can get you can buff two units and then on turn four and five play them and it makes a lot more sense than waiting it you know like to on turn three give one unit a buff and then play it next turn or give your like five and six drops buffs and then play it like it made no sense at three at least at two uh, i can imagine playing it whereas before it just felt like uh just like spinning your wheels while your opponent kills you yeah i mean i guess i can imagine people playing it i think in all of those scenarios i would rather just played a coastal recruit yeah i i still don't know i still don't know when this card is good i've had it played against me and then it sort of seemed like they did pretty well afterwards but it's one of those cards where i think they would have been fine if they hadn't played explosive potential because they played it on a flyer or something gave it a lot a big boost in attack power but like if i couldn't answer the flyer that just means that that flyer like killed me in half the time that it would have anyway it's it was the flyer that killed me not it's the flyer plus explosive potential i think that you need a lot of units that become ridiculous in your deck if you explosive potential them uh and there's there's a long list of things that that could affect but uh i i don't think it's good on its own ever yeah and i also just think yeah it's still one of those cards where you need to draw it in the right order this is just like it's like one of the few amplify cards that is a horrible top deck it is which is just weird for you know because that's one of the nice things about amplify is as the game goes on it scales and this card like theoretically scales but i think in a practical game it doesn't really scale yeah, it's a cheap amplify, but you can't do it. You can't use the additional amplify if you don't have tar- enough targets in your hand, unlike any other amplify card, basically. Yeah. I agree. It's like <laughs> like the one situation where I feel like you could use the amplify well is like if you had the three fire fire two two that dies and you played like a size slash on it or something and you have like seven um rustlings in your hand but even then you're only turning them into two ones that's true yeah um, it's that's but like still... how are you getting seven units in your hand when you get up to when you're at eight power <laughs> or whatever it's, it's a good like, question there's yeah. no way to do it yeah yeah, maybe that's an awkward card. Maybe that's my my whole resistance to this card is I just don't like that fact. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, but uh, next uh, in a buff card, and I think this is a good buff, is a uh, silver slicer. This is the three shadow uh, uncommon relic weapon, and it used to be a two two, and now it is a three two, and it has Valkyrie warp quick draw. Um, so. Now, I don't think Sludge Blade is strictly better than Silver Slicer. Right. Yeah. Uh, this that Three power for three damage worth of removal is now legitimate. Um, makes it feel like a card that where its floor is already good. Um, and it, it was kind of rare to be able to actually Valkyrie Warp Silver Slicer. 
just like with any Valkyrie warp card. But when you were able to do it, it was quite good. Uh, having quick draw on a relic weapon means that it is repeatable removal in any sort of board stall situation. Um, and three damage is so much better than two in this situation. Uh, yeah, being able to thing, uh, yeah, Valkyrie quick warp draw, is a three drop. Yeah, it's an unholy terror uh, if you Valkyrie warp it, this card. So, yeah, this is a pretty pretty significant buff. All right, and then uh, the final buff is the Zumic Coercion, which is uh, uh, now a three-cost fast spell. Uh, it used to be four shadow. Now it's three shadow, and it says sacrifice a unit to draw a card from your market. Um, and fate add a random... Uh, shadow card to your market yeah uh i don't think this is a significant buff it'll in decks that want it um it'll be a slightly easier to play uh but uh, azuma coercion is a good card it it trades for any card in your market it adds a shadow card but you don't have to get a shadow card you can get anything um so it's a it, it it's good in us it's good in a deck that wants uh, free access to its market and also is playing kind of a slow game where it can sacrifice its own units. It's a fine card, um, but I don't think that this makes it dramatically more playable. Um, just sort of slightly increases the power of decks like this. It's not a card that every deck wants. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to put it. I think it. I think it definitely makes the card better. It doesn't necessarily increase the number of decks that want to play it you know right. it's still a specific deck that wants it but for me this makes it a much more tantalizing i uh, at four cost i was always a little hesitant to play it but at three cost now you know now now it's much you know now we're getting closer to um oh geez it's contagious um What's the two-cost sacrifice draw two cards? Devour? Devour, yeah. You know, now now it's like, you know, now we're getting closer to Devour cost, which, you know, is a different card, but, you know, this is kind of like you Devour, except instead of drawing two cards, you draw, you tutor for one from your market. Um, yeah. I mean, there's decks where you're going to have some really like pivotal card that you that you won't put in your market unless you have multiple ways of getting it. And this is another way of getting absolutely any card. So it's sort of um, like it, it'll it'll give you that's that's one of the signs that um, that you uh, that you want to play it is that you've got something that's worth getting from the market consistently. Yes. Cool. All right, so that's it for the uh, buffs. Uh, so I think the things that stand out to me is, uh, you know, Justice got a few pretty good buffs, I thought, in these changes, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and time got a little bit better. I think, uh, yeah, the time cards got better and Shadow got better. And yeah, Fire, really... I think, got laughed at. I think the only change <laughs> was it to Arms Race. Which is the most insignificant uh, change to a card I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, every, every yeah, these are some interesting things. I don't know how much any of them move the needle. Um, 
Not these yeah. specifically. Sort of a. I th- I think the mo- the biggest one is really send to market. Um, that cha- that changes things. I think that really does hit justice pretty hard. This uh, send to market is I think the second best common in the set after arguably Basher and uh, I, I, having it be having it be a lot harder to cast is um, is a bit is a big change. I don't think that makes justice. I don't think that dips justice like below any of the other factions on the rankings, um, but it is gonna it is gonna change things. Yeah, uh, I guess I don't know. Maybe this is a, a hot take. I kind of was mentioning mention this on on Discord, but I do wonder. I do agree that Send to Market was one of the best commons, but I don't know if it was actually the reason that justice was so strong. Like so many of the justice, you know, like so many of the justice cards are just like their, their commons are just very deep and very proactive. And the color pairs that do best with them are also, you know, have very, a lot of synergy or very proactive. And so like ascend to market was a card. You're always happy to play but it wasn't really like fundamental to any of the strategies. Yeah, that's that's a good way of articulating what what I was trying to say is that it doesn't mean that ju- it doesn't make justice bad, but it does make uh, because the other commons are so good. Uh, it just makes one of justice's tools significantly weaker, and so I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how it's going to affect things overall. Uh, I just w- I'm not going to stop drafting justice because sent to market is weaker. Yeah, I, I just... feel like I'm just going to get blown out by sent to market less, uh, which is yeah, which is you know nice. Sent to market doesn't uh, isn't part of any of the synergies. You know what I mean? Like there's no it, it, it's just a r- r- card that you don't that you would never cut from your deck that you would put in all of your justice decks. But it didn't go with the overall strategy particularly well. It was just, it was just a strong, it was just a strong common that you sometimes uh, had uh, would see in packs and then take. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but it doesn't stun things, so it doesn't particularly go with Huru. You know, uh, it's not a Valkyrie, <laughs> so it doesn't go with Argentport. You know, there's, it doesn't go with any themes. It's just the thing that you would do on turn five uh, if your opponent was trying to stop you from doing whatever it was you were doing. Yes. All right, so now let's uh, move on to uh, the weightings. Um, so we're going to be focusing mostly on the uncommons and commons. Um. So the main thing to note, which I kind of want to highlight because I I find a little bit weird, is symbols went from 20x down to 1x. Um, And I did not think symbols were particularly good, nor should they have been a 20x card because they didn't really synergize with anything um, in this previous format. But... uh, they also boosted etchings from 1x to 20x. Um, so we now have etchings as another form of market access and at 20x, so quite a quite a boosted rate. But uh, etchings were, like I think, a main reason to play symbols. Um, and 
but now you don't have symbols to get to that fourth faction influence. No, now uh, now etchings are going to just sort of be another incidental way of accessing your market, and clearly they want to. Clearly, they want us using markets in draft because every single market card that's available is boosted as much as it possibly can be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just think that etchings are, especially now that, you know, in expedition stuff they, and in Throne, they've been, they've been playable mm. ways to access mar- markets. Your power is just so much worse in draft that... I sometimes don't, you're like, even in a two-faction deck, if one of your colors is like the off-faction, it is so hard to hit that fourth influence. So I would not rely on this as your market access. No, it's just a way of making your market slightly more consistent um, in your primary faction, pretty much. Yeah. So uh, having them at 20 times is weird because that's uh, like I, I never want to be filling my deck with them. And I'm and I don't pick them unless I am sure that I already have a market that that I that I want consistent access to. And yeah, that market is 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 is, is in a faction that's likely to reach for influence because otherwise you're just turning a turning one of your power into a depleted power by by playing a sit um, by playing an etching. So, yeah, I don't. Uh, it, I agree that it's a weird choice to make them twenty times and and take away symbols. Uh, but I like etchings as a you know as a as a backup plan um, mm-hmm. to, to to access a market if I don't pick up enough other market um, market cards. So I don't mind it being uh, being boosted, but uh, I, I'm already sick of seeing them in the uncommon slot where I could have seen you know, an uncommon that affects the board. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. All right. Uh, shall we move on to the colors then? Let's do. Okay. Let me, sorry. Uh, kept common, uncommon. Well, clickety wickety. Okay. Um, so what, how how much do we want to say? I think broad strokes, pretty much. Uh, honestly, uh, because of what we were talking about earlier, where uh, where things are chaotic because of the bot packs, I, I don't have a strong feeling for how things have changed. Uh, it's all very theoretical at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but just sort of in general, it feels like some factions were boosted and some were hurt a, a bit. Um, and there are some strategies that seem to have a little bit of, of extra oomph and some uh, that are slightly weaker. So, like, I don't think we need to get into every individual card, um, right. but uh, but we we but we can say that sort of the faction strengths in general were shifted slightly. <laughs> we can talk about that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so fire. Let's talk about fire. Do you want me to talk now? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we got these yeah. nice notes that Cotillion made. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, so starting with fire, I think for me, the main highlight of the cards added is Frontier Bard, which is a three fire, two four. 
And when one or more of your units hits the enemy player, Frontier Bard gets plus one attack. But also, units you draw get Overwhelm. I think, like, giving a Basher Overwhelm sounds pretty sweet. Uh, one of the main flaws of Basher is it doesn't have Overwhelm. Um, That's true. You also do need to draw it with Frontier Bard already on the field. Yeah, yeah, I know. But that does happen sometimes. It does, yeah. Um, and uh, so that's kind of interesting. Uh Another interesting thing is one of the primary, you know, big attack units in the draft packs was uh, Surveiller, and that went from 10x to 1x. So uh, they kind of replaced it with uh, a frontline Cyclops, uh, which is the 6 cost 6 6 with Reckless Warcry, but that's obviously much more expensive. Um, but. Yeah, so I th it'll be interesting to see how that affects um, fire as far as how aggressive they can be. Yeah, it's a strange sort of... They, they've given fire a new 10 times common, which is Rambot. Um, it's a 1-fire, one 1-1. One, one. It's a Grenadine, which of course is relevant. Uh, and it has infiltrate the top unit of your deck gets plus four strength, then sacrifice Rambot. It's a weird little card. Um, <laughs> I've always that it's very rare when I'm like, oh yay, a Rambot for my Rambot deck. Uh, but we are in a in a format with a lot of Valkyries, and so therefore a lot of flyers. Uh, so Rambot can sometimes be very good that way. Uh, but also, it mostly feels like a one one that that doesn't do anything significant most of the time. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, the other thing is, like, as assembly line is now lower. Uh, Conflagate is higher. I think those are kind of, like, the other big changes. Um, yeah, having Conflagrate be five times is good. Uh, I think it's more or less replacing Char as Fire's main removal in the uh, draft packs, because dra Char went back down to one. Yes. And then the other big thing, and I think this is for all five colors, the... Um, the quadruple influence uh, commons now all went back to one X. Yeah, so. and and that's good that um, and that's good since they, they since the, all of the symbols went down to one X uh, that they aren't also trying to make us get four influence in any in any one faction. Yeah, no, to you, play you just get there with your four fire etchings. Yep, that's how you do it. <laughs> but we don't have to, which is nice. Um, all right, and then. Uh, now on to time. So let's see. Time, I think, uh, got uh, some pretty good cards added. Uh, I think Living Example is an okay card, but that's now 10x. The, the main thing for me with time is that, and this is sort of inexplicable to me, uh, but Sandbinder Sentinel, the five time time four six, that says summon place Sandbind on an enemy unit with flying, uh, is now 20x. Yeah, it sure is. Um, which I think is actually going to be very helpful for time because I have found in a lot of my time decks, the second my opponent played a flyer, I really felt like <laughs> I lost the game because I was like, I have maybe one card in my whole deck that can deal with a flyer. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think it's good. Um, I think it's I think it's a really strong thing for time to have. It is an uncommon, but you, like if you're drafting time, it's very likely that you'll be able to get at least one of them, and it's a good stopgap for all of those Valkyrie decks. Yeah, yeah. the 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 one interesting, and then the other thing that uh, Power Breach Sentinel went from five x to ten x. So that's the six time time five six. Uh, when Power Breach Sentinel attacks, you play the top power of your deck depleted. Um, I guess one of the questions I had for you is, you know, you had mentioned in our draft last week that you felt like Power Breach Sentinel wasn't all that great in this format. And, you know, they seem to be pushing these <clears throat> these big Sentinel bodies, you know, Ageless Sentinel, the uh, four cost three, five also went from one X to 10 X. So, you know, time is getting some beefy bodies and, just wondering if you had any sense of how significant you think that might be. Well, I think it's good for time to have a coherent strategy. It didn't really before. Um, and the, uh, the Praxis Sentinel deck, I think, is actually a really good archetype. Um, but it's not so great if you can't get enough sentinels for it <laughs> um and now it will not be a problem getting enough sentinels it'll still be a slow deck that's the problem um i still don't think power breach sentinel is great in this format because that you're not ramping up to anything um but there are amplify cards uh so it does help with that like uh if you've got you know a conflagrate or send send in the reserves or anything like that uh, power breach makes it easier to make those really good, um, but it's still—I mean, it's still not. It, 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 when, if you have them in your deck and you've been playing them in this format, um, like it just—it's it, real hard for it to get more than one attack in by the time it's down on the board because uh, there's so many things like deadly or uh, regen or whatever. It, it just gets eaten alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess the one hope is now if you're playing multiple fatties, you know, maybe your opponent has exhausted their resources by the time you drop your Power Breach Sentinel. Exactly, yeah. You wear them down with your with all of your other stuff. Um, so it's, a fi- it's fine as a, as a uh, chart topper <laughs> for, your, for your time deck now. Yeah, and I mean, Corpse Bloom, I think, is it. still 10x also. So, like, is getting their, you know, big fatty identity back and... I do think Sandbinder, you know, being able to deal with flyers, which I think time still has trouble with, it will be a good thing. Yeah, uh, and it's still got Wormstone, you know. Like, I, I think you're not going to end up with a time deck that doesn't have those fatties in it as easily, because that really was a problem for a while over the last few weeks. Hey, I had a question with Wormstone. I know it's supposed yeah. to be 10x. Does it feel like it's 10 I never see Wormstones. It doesn't feel like it. Uh, I, I don't think I've had more than two in a deck um, since the since the like the first changeover in this format. I think. Yeah. And it was supposed to be ten x this whole time. So yeah, it doesn't feel like ten x. But yeah, uh, yeah, that was one of the things I noticed when I was like looking through it. I was like, wait, Wormstone is. I was like shocked when I saw that Wormstone was quote unquote staying at ten x because it feels like I I hardly ever see it anymore but i used to see it a lot in like the original iterations of the format yeah i, I don't know i mean I, i've i've ended up with one or two in 
mm-hmm. in several of my decks. But uh, like at the very beginning of the format, went back when we were talking about Combray for the first time, I was ending up with two or three Wormstones uh, in decks, and that's why I was drafting Combray. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that was uh, that. That's not happening anymore. But, uh, who knows? Who knows about? Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? Yep. Uh, yeah, and then the other, uh, the, they also continued to uh, buff a bunch of good uncommons for a time. Uh, Season Splunker, I, you know, is a card that's pretty good. Insistent Automaton that we talked about a lot last week. Uh, Desert Alchemist is back to ten times. Yeah, um, and, and notably, Whisper. notably, Swaying Sea Kieran is down to one, uh, and it was at ten. So there's going to be a lot less sort of scrambling for to to create muster because <laughs> the primal uh muster common also went down to one time so that they're abandoning that as a strategy and i couldn't be happier because it was silly in this format yes um i agree all right and then on to justice um justice seemed to uh get uh, a few valkyries uh, which is good, I guess. They got uh, Valkyrie Militant, which is the four justice two two flying. You pl- when you play weapon, you gain two armor. That's now ten x, and that was added. Uh, Valkyrie Arcanus, which is the six justice justice three three flying, um, and then in tomb create and draw a plus three plus three gem blade, which is a five cost three three weapon. Yeah, those are the two commons. Uh, neither one of them is really dramatically exciting, but if you're doing Valkyries, then they're fine uh, as uh, to fill space. Yeah, Valkyrie Arcanist is kind of an interesting card to me because I remember when I was just getting into the game, it was like considered almost a bomb kind of common, but it just feels expensive nowadays. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's not a lot of impact immediately for a, for a six drop. Yeah, and now it's fighting for uh, sent to market. Yeah, it is. Yeah, getting that sent to market is. I mean, it's not worse than getting any other six drop sent to market, but uh, the threat that it presents if it doesn't get removed is is not that huge uh, right away. It's just a three power flyer, and there's three power flyers for four in this format. Yeah. And then the other, uh, I think, thing that seemed to happen with Justice is they lost um, a lot of their sort of, like, in- incident, not incidental, but their unit buffing, like the Crown Watch Cavalry, which uh, gives its attack and health to another unit uh, on Summon. That went to 1x. Uh, Rabble Rouser went from 10x to 5x. Season Drillmaster went to 10x to 5x. Siege Provisions went to 10x to 1x. Trickshot Ruffian went to 1x. Unbreakable Tradition went to 1x. Um, yeah, yeah, they really, yeah, they 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 really took down that all of that um, like fast unit buffing stuff, which makes it even weirder that they 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 uh, buffed Overlorder from. Over overloader overloader <laughs> the relic that costs two and now overcharger 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 yeah 
Yeah, Emerald Overcharger. Um, because that's sort of on theme for for all of this stuff that got debuffed. But uh, I mean, that was one of the re- uh, it, all of the like Drillmaster, Rabble Rouser, all of that stuff really did make Justice hard to defend against. So I don't think these are bad changes. But um, it is interesting that they took away Justice's most of Justice's normal identity to sort of replace it with Valkyries. Yes. And uh, the other card, they did add the Rollins Intervention. Um, they added, I think, all of the interventions maybe, but I think Rollins is in particular pretty good because it gives one of your Valkyries Aegis, which, uh, you know, it's you know it's a flexible spell that... that what well here's what it's a one one justice fast spell and it can either give an enemy unit minus three attack this turn or give a unit or weapon in your hand plus one plus one or give one of your valkyries aegis so all of those seem like pretty fine abilities and pretty applicable to this format yeah very much so especially since there's so many valkyries now (laughs) um but yeah uh yeah yeah, it's a good it's a good little card. Uh, I don't I don't pick it too high still, uh, but if I know that I'm going to have a lot of Valkyries, uh, yeah. then it's a then it's a good thing to have around. Good. Yeah, no, I common. wouldn't take it too high, but I think it's it's a a fine one of as a form of interaction in your deck. Yeah, uh, one useful little note is just that giving something minus uh, minus strength for a turn. Uh, is going to be good in Rakano because a lot of what Rakano wants to do is uh, temporarily neutralize opposing deadly units. <laughs> yes. This is another answer to like Razorbot and Desert Alchemist and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it does something against the, uh, the, <laughs> the three firefighter 2-2 two, two that, you know, Gives you rustlings and stuff. So oh there's... yeah, yeah. This is a good trick against against a lot of a lot of stuff in this format, actually. All right, and then primal. Uh, no new cards were added to primal. Uh, the main thing they seem to do is lower the appearance rate of a lot of primal's good cards, uh, like changey stick, uh, glacial shaper, Acantha's outrider, forbidden research. Ice Harry, Stormcaller, Valiant Leap, Wisdom of the Elders, Tidecaller, um, all got lowered. And then uh, Cliffside Caretaker, uh, which is the Inspire units you draw get flying for a five cost two four, and uh, Frostbite Elemental. And Icy Gaze got boosted to 10x. Yeah, it seems like total nonsense uh, what they did to Primal. Yeah, and then also Second Sight got boosted to 10x, which is kind of interesting because there still is no real Echo cards. I guess there's like a couple Fate cards that it could possibly work well with. And they did add a bunch of Inspire cards, not in Primal, but, you know. Well, I remember that uh, Second Sight was, was hugely boosted during the preview event for Set 10. And people were playing it so that they could activate those fate cards um, when they wanted them, and it was kind of it was kind of fun. I don't know if it was strong, but it was really fun. And uh, so maybe maybe that'll be a thing again. I don't think there's enough fate cards where you want to play a bunch of second sights in order to 
yeah. in order to make them better. Though I will say, I mean, this is magical Christmas land, but the, uh, you know, the three cost two, two with Berserk, you know, the, the bigger that gets the. Oh, sure. Yeah. You can reactivate uh, some of them for sure. Yeah. So I guess that's good. I don't know. I, it makes it makes Primal even more of a fiddly, like wheel spinning faction than it is normally. I think <laughs> um, because another one of the cards they boosted is Brilliant Idea of all things. That's a rare, so it's not going to be significant. Um, but that's uh, that's the the six Primal Primal spell that draws two cards and then has Amplify two to draw an additional two cards. It's a real weird card to to buff for draft because not only is it a rare, but it's a very, very niche <laughs> like card that is not good unless you have at least eight power. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, I already don't like uh, the strategic planning tactician, the four primal primal exhaust the soldier to draw a card. Right. Right. You know, like, I'm like, that card is too clunky. So, like, uh, Brilliant Idea seems way, way, way too clunky for me. Yeah, I don't know why. They they seem to have completely eradicated Primal's identity. Um, and now, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it, it's, it, it, seems like a, it seems like a support faction more than ever now. Uh, I think it's an odd choice. But uh, I, I guess uh, the, peop- the drafters who see the hidden potential there are, are going to be uh, more successful than the ones that don't as, as always. Yeah. Yeah. The frostbite elemental thing kind of kills me because there's just, not, I just still don't think there's that much done in this format. Um, I mean, there's not a lot, but uh, sometimes you'll get, you'll sometimes you'll find a lot in a draft and then sometimes you'll have almost none. Um, yeah. But there's no, in, imbue really you know no no without imbue being a major mechanic uh yeah there's there's not nearly as much i mean you still have your frost wave and your um i i think i think just frost is still boosted icy gaze well the icy gaze is but also um am i (laughs) i going crazy no frost yeah no it's at five times yeah. Yeah. And, and Frostkin, then, uh, Frostkin is still ten times. You know, there's there's some stuff. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I don't know if it's worth getting, you know, putting Frostbite Elemental in your deck for two attacks, but usually it's not. Um and then I do think Stormcaller, I mean it's still five X, but that's one of I that card is just so great in this format that I think it hurts Primal to to lose it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's baffling. These changes these changes are baffling. All right, then next is Shadow. They added two cards, uh, Curator Spear, which is the two Shadow 2-1, two Summon plus one attack if you have another Relic, and then also Left Ride Target Caller, which is the two Shadow Shadow 3-2, Units you draw, get quick draw. Yeah, these are both pretty solid cards. Yep, I I agree. Uh, Curator Spear, kind of interesting because like we talked about last week with um, Amber Lock, you know, there's Metabot Station. There are there's now Stakeout. There's a few cheap relics, um, and also you know, so having a three attack 
uh, relic weapon for twos is pretty sweet. But also, sometimes you just want to be able to do two damage to kill an early um, uh, Maveloft Elite or um, a Bastion Gatekeeper or an Auto Tread and Curator Spear lets you do that. Yeah, little little seed gets taken out by this thing. Yeah, that's another uh, great example. Passionate, passionate stone hammer. Uh, there's a lot of little things that you wanna that you wanna kill right away. Yeah. Yep, yeah, and not lose a lot of tempo doing that. Um, so that that'll be great. Um, so for the removal in shadow, uh, things that are changing. Uh, spore breath is going from 10x to 1x. And in its place, Suffocate is going from 1x to 10x. I guess Suffocate's uncommon. Uh, Spore Breath is common. So, And then Spirit Drain um, is going to 5x. So I think the uh, removal is getting worse. Imprison is also going to 1x. Um, they, 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 de, um, they de-boosted all of those, those big spells that create influence, I think. Yes. Yeah. I will say Imprison has been less good for me this format than it was last format. Six, this is kind of like a, to the send to market thing. Six just felt like a little too expensive sometimes. I, I think part of it is just like uh, you would come up against uh, somebody playing Styre's Beckoning a little too often and then Imprison doesn't look so good. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think Spore Breath going away kind of hurt that card ended up being okay succumb is gone now too so yeah it just seems like uh removal took a hit in shadow um it is getting ravenous thorn beast back at 5x and that's a really strong card but uh yeah i think that's all there is to really say about shadow yeah i don't think it got significantly worse or better um, I, I, I'm a big fan of Ravenous Thorn Beast, but this isn't the best format for it unless you're absolutely in Stone Scar with a couple of those early drops that want to be sacrificed. Yeah, I guess. I just feel like Shadow has so m- many. I don't know. There's just so many. There's the Razor Bots, there's the Medbot Station. I mean, you're not super excited to sacrifice the dark water vines, but you can sacrifice the dark water vines. Oh yeah, there's plenty of ones and two drops for sure. It's just and you then, know a little all in. And then there's also the you know this the one drop spider. Um, you can now get as many spite feeders as your heart's content. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which is usually I, zero. Yeah. Your heart well, is usually. Content you can get all that zero. you want though, because it's going to be at ten times. So. <laughs> Um, you are right. you're going to be able to activate those uh, activate those mandrakes. Tell you. Um, okay, Dark, so then uh, as far as um, multicolored cards um, for the added card, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Magus of Celerity, which is a Praxis card, it is two fire time or three fire time, three three inspire units you draw get charge and summon scout. Um, that's 10x. I'm always excited to see Scout. I love scouting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, it's um, a really. And and there's no, there's no Scout in any of the normal cards anymore, so it's great. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, you, we were just talking about how big all of uh, you know Times cards are, so giving them charge seems great. Yeah, and uh, if you're in Praxis, you also have Purify at ten times, so uh, I think it's a strong uh, I think it's a strong archetype in general right now. Yes, I think it's be- I think it's at its best since set ten was introduced. Is my guess. This is my this is my prediction. Mm-hmm. All right, and then uh, the another one that was added was Obsidian Golem and Stone Scar, which is the uh, two Stone Scar two two and in Tomb create and draw a plus two plus two uh, Obsidian uh, weapon. Yeah, and that's a really good common uh, for Stone Scar. Uh, it's not a Grenadine. Of course, so you don't get granite and buffs, but it's a it's a huge amount of value for a two drop, and it's something and it's something that actively wants to be sacrificed in a format that um, doesn't have a lot of cards like that. So, pretty good, pretty good pickup for Stone Scar there. And then um, I think the other major thing is um, all of the displays went from ten x to one x. Right. Yeah, they're really they're really um, making. I would say the general theme there is that they are uh, making it a uh, making decks less. Like they're not they're the, by taking out the displays and by taking out the four times influence cards, um, they're not encouraging us to do like weird things with our power base <laughs> you know they're they're not encouraging splashing they're not encouraging uh making a lot of one influence i think they're encouraging us to make just solid two faction decks maybe splashing a little bit they're making it easy on us to do that because like bannerman is still 10 times and seek power is still 20 times uh so i think that there's going to be a lot of consistency to decks going into this big tournament um so I would not be surprised if they made a conscious choice to to make like the influence requirements of a good draft deck pretty easy going. <laughs> yes, this time around, not encouraging people to do wacky things, just seeing a lot of good sort of solid two faction decks uh, in in uh, supported archetypes bouncing off of each other, which is fine. I think that's the uh, you know, it's it's. I think those are that's overall a good uh, philosophy. If you're going to have a big draft tournament coming up, yeah, I agree. Um, and then the final uh, card is a Unity Within, which is the uh, two colorless spell. Give one of your units and all units of that type plus one plus one is now twenty x. Yeah, that's a weird choice. Um... That one, because I don't usually like to main deck this card. Uh, it's it's hard to e- even in a even in a set with so much the uh, tribal synergy. Uh, it's kind of hard to get your deck so consistent that a uh, slow speed plus one plus one pump spell is worth a slot in your deck. But it is a factionless card that you can go get with grafters. So when you have decks with multiple fact, multiple um, grafters in different factions, it's one of those cards uh, like Rail Driver or or Snipe that uh, it's kind of nice to have access to when you when you want it. 
Yeah. Though kind of the weird thing of that example of multiple grafters is if they're different colors, that means they are different factions um, because all all the grafters are a different faction from each other. They're different. Yeah, they're different. Uh, they're a different tribe. Yeah, different. Sorry, different yeah. tribe. Yeah. Yeah, um, they are. So it's like now if you <laughs> if you have your primal and your shadow grenadin, uh, or, or sorry, your primal or your shadow grafter, it's like well now you're you know you're that means your deck is not as tribal as maybe one would like if you're playing a card like Unity. yeah hence hence why unity within is in your market instead of main tech yeah <laughs> just for just for the times when you really want it <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway that's kind of an interesting card all right um and then i think we're gonna close up the show with just like a quick rundown um of some of our thoughts uh, on this format, sort of as uh, uh, what for those for those of you who are are getting into this format um, and maybe haven't been playing for the last formats, just like just to get people up up to speed as quickly as possible. Yeah, so just sort of the uh, like the dominant archetypes. And, yeah, and uh, so I kind what of what you should be looking I, for. I kind of considered. Um, I have three. I think there are three main best decks in the format, um, at least up until now. Uh, again, su- subject to some amount of change, but I would describe that as uh, Rakano Agro, uh, which is really based on the fact that the set 10 fire and justice cards are very strong. Um, they were, you were able to put out a lot of damage. I mean, I think this got slightly hurt a little bit in that fire doesn't have a really aggressive mid cost unit in the draft packs anymore. And justice lost a lot of its buffing capabilities from the draft packs, which also really helped that archetype. But I mean, you still have bashers, you still have a lot of good justice flyers and stuff to deal damage. So I think this deck will still be pretty good. Uh yeah, I expect it will. Um there you still have you still have your pump spells, uh such as uh you know rampage and yeah, you, and you still got decent removal. Yeah, you still have side slash. You still have martial efficiency. You still have auto tread. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a you have a bunch of really good tools. Uh, I, I personally haven't as had as much success with Mercano as as other folks have, but you can't argue with statistics. People people win with the deck all the time. Yes. All right, and then another I think uh, pretty good deck in this format is sort of Argent Port Flyers, uh, which is just playing, which is a, kind of a funny deck because it really doesn't seem like it should win as well as it does because you're just like attacking with a bunch of 1-1s and 1-2s and if you're like really lucky, a Deathwing. Um, but sometimes your opponents sometimes just can't handle six 1-1s attacking you each turn. Yeah, pretty much. 
Um, and this is my personal most successful deck in this format by far. Like this is the one where I'm like, oh, if I where if I manage to draft it, if it's open at all, I have the highest success rate with uh, Argentport. Usually splashing fire for uh, something like Metal Fang or Auto Tread or whatever. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be flyers. I think there's a few ways for Argentport to be good, but if I'm playing Argentport, I'm definitely picking up all the stars beckonings that I can. And yeah, that's how you win, is you just start making flyers and your opponent doesn't have as many flyers as you. And if you need to chump block, oh, you've got all these one ones. <laughs> yeah, you can you can maybe spare one. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's a pretty good deck. And then I think the third deck is the Huru Amplify Soldier deck. Um, which I think relies a lot on Shock Troops and Mabel Off the Elite, and then a lot of the um, really good Amplify Uncommons, uh, like Fluctuate Reality, uh, which is the three primal uh, spell that increases... Uh, what does it do? How, how is it worded? Sorry. Uh, you... If if it's your opponent's unit that you target, um, it transforms into a unit that costs two less. If it's one of yours, it transforms into a unit that costs two more. Yeah, and then you can amplify it for three, so you can hit multiple units. You can amplify uh, it for two. That's even better than that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. so then it's uh, amplified two, so you can hit multiple units with it. Yep. So that's a, a, a very strong card. You get cards like Martial Efficiency. You get... Um, Cards like Hardiness, um, which are really good. Uh, plus, there's just like a, a lot of soldiers everywhere. So then you can have like pretty strong finisher and like a Frostclaw Rider if you need it. Um, if your 9 9 Mabel off deletes don't get you there. Yeah. You've got Call to Arms, which is, a, which is obviously at its best in a deck with a lot of soldiers. Yes. Um, yeah. So that, I think that's a, a very strong deck too. Um, a deck that I think maybe is like a tier 1.5 or tier 2 is a, a Stone Scar deck, um, which, um, you know, I think is playing a, a lot of these small... For me, you know, you get you can play a lot of 1-1s and then play Shoal Dredger. You hopefully open to Metal Fang. You can do a lot of some Sacrifice shenanigans you can do some recursion uh stuff and you know it's a deck that has worked well for me yeah i think it's generally i think it's generally good and i think stone scar is a little better um uh, after this this last round of changes uh because it got some good it got a couple of good new early drops um and uh and stone scar is kind of a deck that wants to come out come out of the gates real strong so having having more good early drops uh, is good. Yes. And then I also think uh, a good thing to bring up with Stone Scar is sort of how you mentioned that Argentport Splashing Fire was one of your strongest decks. I think that goes for all three decks in FJS. You know, yeah. like you yeah, can just have a lot of success playing any combination of those colors with a splash. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I've personally had the most success uh, with uh, focusing on Justice Shadow, Splashing Fire. 
Um, but I do think that uh, whichever combination that you go into there, you is the, like the, just the, the depth of the commons is uh, is going to give you a playable deck. Yes. Um, I would want to add that because time is getting so many good cards in this format that I think Praxis is going to be a really solid deck now too. Um, I've done well with Praxis a few times. Uh, you get to play your Barricade Bashers, but also your top end is these huge uh, Time Sentinels, and um, it just kind of overwhelms your opponent because eventually they don't have removal uh, that's big enough to deal with it. And also, uh, Basher into Scourstone Sentinel is one of the is one of the meanest things you can do. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a little inconsistent, yep. maybe, but it's it's sure fun when it happens. And it's yeah, genuinely Scourstone Sentinel is another card that I just feel like I never see, so I I never play that deck. Um, yeah, yeah, I've done it a couple of times. It works out. Yeah. Uh, so and I and I think, you know, a thing we didn't specifically call out when we we're talking about all of these big Sentinels that were added or boosted is, you know, they all go really well with Laser Blast. So you sort of have a, a cheap removal in Praxis that deals a lot of damage. And and like I, I mentioned, I do think the Sandbind Sentinel guy is really helpful because... My biggest issue with uh, Praxis has always just been, you know, you're you're playing one unit a turn and going up the curve, but if your opponent is playing multiple flyers or something, you can kind of get overwhelmed and lose the race. And uh, hopefully, cards like that can help with that. And then, um, you know, this didn't happen in this in this patch, but in the previous patch, you know, the fact that Power Cell also went to from a 2-1 to a 2-2, I think is pretty significant and helps Praxis a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's sort of one of those uh, uh, one of those signpost cards um, that actually is more of a payoff now, now that it can't be pinged away. Yes. Uh, so there's, yeah, there's Praxis, and then I think Combray is going to be a little bit better too, just because time will be, will actually give you something to, 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 um, kind of ramp up to, but I don't think Combray will be as good as Praxis or any of these other archetypes that we're talking about, but I do think it's going to be better. Yeah. Yes, I, I agree. And then I, I will say I'm not necessarily a buyer in this Elysian Transform. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to work out. Um, there's still not enough cards that, that do it, that get there. Yeah. And then I do also think uh, this also happened not in this previous patch, but, um, you know, the Xenon Mandrake with the fact that that Xenon, the three-cost Xenon card went from a 3-3 three, three to a 3-2 is, is kind of significant, I think. You know, Mandrake has always been, in my opinion, like, has the highest ceiling, but was very hard to get there. You know, it was just... It required a lot of things going right in the draft, and so I've just have always avoided Mandrakes. And the fact that because Mandrakes has been a good expedition deck, a bunch of their cards have have gotten nerfed. I think makes me even less likely to draft Mandrakes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Um, I also think that with the loss of. Uh, Wretched Raven Felm is kind of at its worst point now in this yes. format. 
like it was it was another way of discarding for um for your dark water vines you know there were and it was a way of powering up your spore spitters uh having having wretched raven go from 10 times to one times i think makes film a lot harder to to draft successfully now i don't think it possible but um but harder yeah especially because blight pedal is essentially a three three for three yeah it sure is yeah uh which is felon's signpost uncommon yeah, it's a it's 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 weird. It's a weird one for sure. It's like um, a a worse coastal elite because it doesn't have pledge or coastal recruit. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Although I did during my experiments with um, drafting five colors, uh, managed to get a blight petal and a metal fang on the board at the same time, and that's not like a crazy great synergy, but it was fun <laughs> because. Yeah. Because uh, Metal Fang can sacrifice whenever it wants, and Light Petal gives it a plus one, plus one. So you're attacking with a 6-5 lifesteal in the air instead of a 5-4. <laughs> yeah, but wouldn't you almost rather have explosive potential? Almost. <laughs> but that wouldn't be a 3-3. 3-3 three, three. <laughs> three, yeah, three for just three. Start, you just start with Metal Fang as, a, as an 11 or whatever, right? That's true. Yeah, you would you would end up with that as an eleven four, pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I'm I can't wait to to get beaten by that on the in the um in the big draft open. Yeah, something like that. People will be like explosive potential. I'm putting all of those in my deck, and then I'm going to get all of these metal fangs. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um. Cool. So was that was that good? Should we just? Yeah, I think that's good. I think we've kind of covered all of the main bases here. Yeah, why don't we just? Do, I guess we'll just talk about uh, granite index. Sure. Yeah, we can talk about granitins. Yeah, and then uh, as as you probably noticed, we've moved away from these top tier decks. Uh, the other thing I I kind of wanted to talk about that I think is not necessarily obvious unless you've drafted the format a bunch because some of the cards look really good are especially these primal based grenadine decks um you know in um there's uh this skycrag one with uh grubbot or i guess that that's the that's the real that's the real one felon does really felon it's really the only thing yeah has grenadines but um there's no real payoff for being Felon Grenadin. Um, but, you know, like Grubbot looks like a really powerful card, and I'm sure could potentially be a powerful card, but I have found that it doesn't really... Get, there's just not enough support for for it. Um, and then also, you know, the other card that looks really good is Cyber Combustion, which is uh, the two primal deal three to every... Sacrifice a Gren... Sacrifice a unit to deal three to all non grenadines um, mm-hmm. And that card also has been pretty hit or miss. Yeah, I've seen people play it in markets um, and have it, and and it's and it's quite good um, as a as a card that you're not sitting there looking at in your hand. Yeah, so I, I think that's just something to watch out for that you, it might not be totally obvious. 
Yeah, and I've found it very difficult to make Skycrag work as well, uh, just in any form, uh, in this format. Uh, it's I think it's been good before, but right now I've, I I don't I can't crack the code on it. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's losing, also sorry, it's uh it's losing uh, two of its better cards too in Mighty Strikes and um, uh, the and the mortar yeah it's not losing there it's going to five times instead of ten times but still that's kind of significant because you need those uh some reason to be in skycrag and those are two of the biggest reasons yep exactly all right cool uh should we end the show there yeah i think that's good all right cool so i i think that'll be that'll be our show there you know there's a i'll lot to talk about with the changes as well as you know our brief overview of all more or less all the decks in the format i hope that was helpful for everyone um if i don't get the if we don't get another show recorded before the draft tournament uh good luck to everyone um yeah and have fun it's pretty i am i i don't 100 percent know if i'm going to play but i am excited that there is a draft tournament i'm excited to to watch the draft tournament so i think it's pretty cool yeah yeah it is cool i'm looking forward to being eliminated round one again <laughs> well that means you got there so it I think... would mean that i got there yeah that's true so i guess that's something to because we can't pre-qualify this this time that's good uh yeah i get to i get to actually have the fun of trying to qualify yes um yeah so i i think that'll be good and i think getting into the top 64 will be quite quite the accomplishment not that pre-qualifying wasn't an accomplishment but because that took a lot of grinding and cons and a lot more consistency than say spiking one tournament but i think um you know being able to spike a tournament against some really good competition is also an accomplishment yeah all right, cool. So uh, thank you again to all our patrons for making the show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a reminder to give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can join us in our Discord. We'll be talking about draft. We'll be uh, hopefully preparing for the draft tournament in there um, this week. So please join. There'll be a link in the show notes as well as the Reddit posts. And uh, speaking of Reddit, uh, please thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts about the show. It uh it sort of boosts the signal. Gets I think that's the main way people can interact with Eternal. So that's the main way people find the show. Uh, so it's really helpful. And uh, don't forget to send all your seven win deck lists you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. Have a good night. Good night. Bye. <laughs>